Hello, welcome to welcome to IntelliCast. I was going to say welcome to SampleCon, but we're not at SampleCon anymore. No, this is IntelliCast, no, season three, episode five. It is the SampleCon recap episode. You just probably heard a couple voices from our special guests, um, which are Mary Draper and Shannon Fraser. I'll introduce them in a second. I'll let them introduce themselves. But first, this episode is brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com or on Twitter, EMI underscore research, EMI underscore research, IntelliCast1 on Twitter. And also, you can leave us a voicemail or text. We get a lot of those, right, Producer Brian? No, we, we don't, unfortunately. But you can you can probably get live on the air if you call us or text us at 513-401-5463. Again, it's 513-401-5463. We really have an action-packed episode with only two topics today, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, first off, we have Mary Draper, Mary Rose Draper, <laughs> who, who's a, now part of the two-timer club. This is your second time on telecast? This is my second time. She works at EMI and... Um, Mary, can you just briefly introduce yourself for those um, of us that don't yes. know you? I am Mary Draper. I am a senior research manager and the network quality officer here at EMI. I've been at EMI um, just over six years now. I've been in the industry for a little over 18 years. And before EMI, my experience has been in um, face-to-face research, still in the quantitative space. I did um, project management for a company uh, out of Ormond Beach that was mostly a mall intercept company. And before that, I was in focus group um, facility management. Um, in Florida, right? In Florida. Which is part of the story we'll get there to. There will be yeah, more details <laughs> forthcoming about my southern okay. experience. Keep that in mind as you're listening. She used to live in Florida. Okay. Also joining us, Shannon Frazier, who works at Directions Research. She's a sample manager. Shannon, can you quickly introduce yourself as well? Hi. Yeah. My name is Shannon Frazier. I am a sample manager at Directions Research. Recently started with them about seven months ago, so I'm still a little new, but it's exciting. Um, have a have a long past in market research. Worked about. 10, eight to 10 years at Nielsen, took a little market research break yeah. for a few years, and now I'm back and and loving it. So yeah. this is what we're doing now. What, what did you do at Nielsen? Nielsen, I was a, um, I worked on a lot of the messy studies trying to figure out how to get sample for them. Oh, so okay. everything that we didn't have a template set up for wasn't easily accessible on panels. Oh, wow. Um, so helping to get those projects kind of set up and running. So somebody's like, hey, I'm thinking I want to try to test this project in Malaysia. Oh. And then I'm like, oh, okay, well, let me look into it and see what we can do in our options. So and- they give you the tough stuff. You have to think creatively on solutions, right? Right. The oh, fixer. Wow. You, yeah. fixer. <laughs> you had a sample fixer. And now you're back in sample at Directions. Yes. Well, congratulations. Thank you for joining. Um, excited to have both of you here. And we're going to talk a lot about SampleCon. And I think it's a good mix of people. All three of us were at SampleCon this week as we're recording it. I've been, I think, to eight out of the nine SampleCons. So I've kind of seen it grow and change to what it is today. Mary, have you been to a few? I have been to four sample cons. This is my fourth. Okay, so you've been a few times. And then, Shane, I think this was your first, right? This is my very first sample con. Okay, so we have a variety of perspectives on sample con. And um, I would love to hear kind of what your thoughts on going, what you learned, um, what your maybe your best topic was. 
and maybe I'll, I'll start with you, Mary. You have a long list of notes ready to, to go here. <laughs> I do. Um, <laughs> I would say uh, my position at EMI over the last year and a half has developed into where now I am more involved in our um, network quality, and I manage a lot of our relationships with the different sample suppliers. So my experience this year has been a little bit different at SampleCon because I'm kind of um, not only on the execution and research management delivery side, but I'm also in um, the relationship management and kind of in, the, in a buyer's role. So it was a little bit different for me um, being in a situation where the networking that I was engaged in changed um, previously, being a, a bit more client focused and um, driving some of those relationship conversations now being on the receiving end okay. um, made the experience a, a bit more different. Um, but I also, I always enjoy the conference because I think that there are a lot of um, learning opportunities. The sessions usually have a lot of content that I get a lot, a lot out of. Yeah. Um, so I think my experience overall was good. Um, I think some key buzzwords from the conference are common um, year over year. We, we talk a lot about data quality and collaboration. So I appreciate those kinds of themes. Um, one of my takeaways, I think, is that I'd like to see the conference develop into something that's not just an annual meetup where sample suppliers get together and have conversations about all of the things that we would love to see happen to revolutionize our industry. And then the topic just kind of goes on hold until the following year's okay. um, event. I'd like to see this be more of an ongoing um really collaboration where we are having conversations quarterly and checking in on progress and making sure that um, the things that we're saying that we want to tackle as an industry actually start to happen. Okay. I should probably back up a second and that uh, for those of you listening that don't, aren't aware, SampleCon is um, a newer conference that's been around for about six, I guess, six years, although there's been nine conferences. They did two a year. It started off in the summer in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. That was a nightmare for those of us that weren't from the South. Um, I remember sweating profusely walking like across the street. Right. Um, where EMI is also on the board. And so the things that you're saying here, um, you're saying, hey, maybe there should be some committees coming out of this, right? right? Maybe hopefully we'll have some influence on that. Something else that I heard um, as well. Shannon, you have some thoughts on SampleCon. Your first time there. What, yeah, what, what did it you was think? Um, jam-packed. <laughs> with yeah. a lot of um, coming from the buyer side, there was a lot of people, you know, letting me know what their capabilities are as well. So that was good just to kind of know. It's always good to know what options I have if something else isn't working. You, know, you probably um, had, what, 20 to 150 sample providers reach out to you, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah for, got, since you buy a lot of sample. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot. It got intense right before conference. Got a lot of LinkedIn <laughs> <Yeah>. requests. Um <laughs> Yeah, I would just shoot a note, say, hey, I'm with so-and-so, X, Y, Z. You would like to chat at SampleCon. Yeah. Don't just, like, throw this and go yeah. for it. But, um, yeah, that was good. Some of the – it was good to come back, and some of the issues I remember seeing or hearing about before I took my little market research break are some of the same issues. Oh. So, like, like you said, it's good. Like, you're meeting and people are talking about it, but it would be yeah. great if we could – get together and do something about it. Yes. Um, and some, you know, some things it's just good for me to kind of know what some of the newer issues are, the way people are looking at 
creatively kind of solving some of the issues because right. something's always blowing up, right? Yep. So it's market research. Yeah. <laughs> so how are we handling the blow up? Yep. Can we catch it earlier than what we're doing now and maybe kind of curb it or yeah. other creative problem solving things we can do? Just having a better understanding of what's going on with the data. Right. So that that's was- a great perspective. Thank you. There, my opinion, I'd love to have more buyers of sample there. Um, we, we did definitely had quite a few, probably more than in the past. I think originally it was mostly all sample providers and slowly it's building up the buy side, which I think a lot of times it's hard for the sample providers to make change unless you hear it from someone from the buy side, get on stage and say, this is what we need. We, you must do this. So m- one of the things that I would love to see happen is uh, more buyers there and speaking loudly. Um, Mary, did you have any favorite sessions or topics or anything that you learned that you want to talk about? A couple. Um, I'd say my favorite session um, might have actually been the keynote address. Ryan Jenkins um, spoke on Gen Z and the um, I think the gist of it was how are we going to, as an industry, kind of attract and retain and keep the, um, the Gen Z engaged. Um, and so I think that 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 was interesting for me to see his presentation on how research now is going to span over six generations. And this is going to be one of the first times in history that we're really going to have to try to appeal to um, a demographic that is very new and different in the way they absorb information and way, the ways that you contact them and reach them are just um, very much different than how we used to handle engaging respondents in the past. Um, I think one of the things that I kind of took away from that conference also was how important uh, culture and perks and the overall experience, how much that means to Gen Z and um, made some notes to bring that back to our office to talk about not only how are we doing that from the respondent perspective to make sure that we're keeping participants engaged in surveys and what their experience is, but also how do we attract that younger talent and that perspective um, that I think is going to be really vital in helping moving our industry forward. Like how do we as a company um, become more enticing to that generation as well. So I, I took yeah. a lot of away from that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I bet Shannon, you have some thoughts on this as well, as well, but I've, for some reason, a lot of the topics that I've seen at conferences recently and I've been involved in have been around diversity mm-hmm. and uh, attracting different types of people. And diversity can mean a lot of different things. It can mean um, different generation, right? So they talked a lot about, to your point, Ryan talked a lot about Gen Z is up and coming. They're going to be, they're coming in our workforce right now. They're, they're the newest college graduates are Gen Z and they've grown up with a smartphone, right? Yes. And so they have different needs. One of the things Ryan talked about is that some, some companies pre-screen their candidates with text messaging, which I thought was just kind of very interesting. But we have to adapt as an industry, not just in the respondent experience, but as a culture, how we are attracting different types of people. And the youth of today are very, very different than the youth of of us. Um, Sham, did you, did you enjoy the generations? I did. That was probably my favorite session. A lot of things just to kind of, it was a good trigger to remember. Yeah. Um, even just how we contact respondents. Yeah. Um, I, I was trying to pull up, I think I said 70, 75% of starts like for millennials and Gen Z are open on a phone. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. So if I'm still sending out an email invitation, right, I'm losing people if we don't have that, you know, mobile accessible for a survey. Yep. And then that affects, you know, everything else down the line. So it's things like, how are we contacting? Who do we need to contact? Yeah. How are we contacting them? Yep. And how are we keeping them engaged? Because I know per- personally, like, I'm not going to be, it's te- difficult for me to sit down and, and take a 20 minute survey. But yep. if I know it's between five and seven minutes, okay, you might get me to like focus in for 10 minutes. Right. But if I have to be 20 minutes and I have to be on a laptop computer, you know, it's like, and I need to do this too. Yep. And I'm getting $3. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I have yeah. teenagers, so, you know, I'm kind of um, raising some of this generation, <laughs> yeah. and um, it's rare that my children are not double screening, and right. um, they really are interactive in their devices where they're um, doing a lot more with augmented reality, and they have VR machines, and they're, um, they're just way of seeing the world. As in, it's a different, it's multidimensional, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, for me, starting in research, <laughs> when it was paper and pencil and um, it was just a very different experience. So I think we have to adapt as an industry to think outside of the box with our survey designs, with our lengths of interviews, um, with our assessment, even the quality in some cases. I think the yep. way that you evaluate um, a responder that's 18 to 24 isn't going to be the same um, responsiveness that you're going to get from someone who's 45 to 54 years old. Right. Yep. Yeah, agreed. And I, I think we're doing a decent job. We're certainly can do a lot of improvements, but I've heard of surveys being tested on gaming devices, right? Mm-hmm. Like Xboxes. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the surveys before the conference started was done with Echo devices. And so I'm really, really hopeful that we continue down that path. And we're not trying to put to your point, Shannon, a 30-minute survey on the Echo. Right. Because it would be really bad. That's what we did in like 2000. We just took telephone and in-person surveys and threw them on the internet. I'm hoping we don't do that again. Right. I hope we, hopefully we learn something um, because we will lose people. And the, one of my big talking soapboxes lately is around non-response bias that the people that don't take surveys are probably very different than those that, too, that do. Just because you can get somebody to take a 25-minute survey in a mobile device doesn't mean you should. Absolutely. Right. Um, because it's certainly not representative, of, especially of the younger generation. Um, any other thoughts on the company? Maybe I'll go to you, Shannon. Do you have any takeaways or favorite topics or insights? Anything you want to talk about? The big ones for me were what we just discussed, that user experience. I think that's a large hill to tackle for everyone. Yeah. Um, But it kind of needs to be done. It's going to be slow moving, difficult, probably little chips at a time. Right. um, User experience is a that's, that's a big one for me. And the, when you say user, you mean, do you mean like respondent experience or something else? Respondent experience. Because okay. we ultimately, we want people to take these surveys so we can get the data we need. So right. we need to make it as easy and as accessible and as entertaining as, you know, some of our questionnaires can be. Make it the... <laughs> yes. Make it not a burden for them to do the survey. Right. 
Yeah. And I would say like, um, I appreciate hearing that from someone that is on the buyer side and knowing that that is something that's important to you and you have a bit more direct contact with end clients who are making more of the decisions about how we're engaging with respondents and what the design of the survey is. I think um, at, at a place like SampleCon, those kind of conferences being that they are more supplier heavy. A lot of us always don't have the voice directly into some of the decision makers who are putting those questionnaires together, who are um, putting together the design and the feel and the look of surveys, yep. kind of just um, reacting to what's been given to us. So I think that that's really important that um, to hear that someone at your level is seeing the content at the conference and feeling just as passionate about it and can right. take that back to some of the uh, end clients that are making right. those decisions ultimately that are trickling down. Yep. I'll, I'll give a takeaway. And you don't have to comment on this one because this one might be a little bit controversial. Yeah. I loved one of the last presentations was Jackie Lorch. And mm -hmm. she, I know her, I have a lot of respect for her. She used to work at SSI and currently now mm -hmm. she's at Dynata. And she, she gave a good presentation mostly around kind of quality and best practices, which was good. Um, then, however, at the very end of the presentation, I felt I was kind of struck back by what they kind of announced. And that is that, um, I'm just going to read this. I don't want to paraphrase it really because it's, um, I'll get in trouble, but and basically the slide said in 2020, Dynata commits to make freely available to the industry new content, which is a little bit different than the Dynata or Research Now or even SSI really kind of presented themselves in the past. And so what kind of content is it? Um, it's around questionnaire design on data, participation engagement, and survey quality control questions that work and, and common ones that don't from their perspective. And by the way, they do a ton of surveys. Right. So they'll have a strong viewpoint on this. Um, Overclaim in certain countries and how to handle, um, how to make it easier for people to tell you about their media, subcategory consumption, and global scale best practices. So this is, I'm really excited about this because they're obviously they're not just one panel, they're a collection of panels and many of them are very global, mm -hmm. SSI and e-rewards and valued opinions and even Samplify, Peanut Labs are very global. So I personally am excited to see them in, engage, not with this, just the statement, but their CEO, Gary Laban was there. They were very active in SampleCon. And so to me, that gives me promise because again, they have a, such a strong brand name. I, I completely agree with that. I was excited to hear them talk about collaboration and transparency. I think that um, for a long time, our industry has needed more of a, um, a, a governing entity, if you will. Yeah. And I think um, I think I'm excited about the former um, oh, Melanie Cartwright that used to be with yep. Dynata is she moving into her an uh, insights role where she'll be able to make some more. Um, decisions and help influence some of those same things that they were talking about in that presentation about um, some standards around quality evaluations and global best practices. I think right. that it would be helpful for us to um, kind of all align and be on a same page when it comes to those aspects of research so that our clients are clear on what they can expect from suppliers and, yep. and vice versa. Suppliers can be clear on how to handle different situations when we're engaged in quality reviews and sampling practices. Yep. Agreed. Um, I know, Mary, before we went on the air, is that what we call this? Are we on uh, the air? On the air. Testing, <laughs> testing. <laughs> uh, you mentioned, and I agree with you uh, about the participation of various data quality companies that 
there was in the past, I think we just had kind of true sample or Imperium. There's a bunch of new ones, right? There are. Um, and yeah, we were talking about this. Like I recall from my mall days when your uh, validation entity was just Sigma validation. Mm-hmm. And we had to like fax uh, over telephone logs. And that was kind of their way of checking to see if a respondent was valid and what type of research they previously were engaged in and what type of past participation they had. And now we have so many more resources. Uh, resources. There were companies... Um, Imperium was there. Iovation, personally, I had some conversations with Opinion Route, and there was a representative also from IntelliClear and several other companies that were representing that um, landscape of digital f- fingerprinting and fraud detection and the different types of machine learning and AI and yeah. ways that we can try to um, improve some of that data quality and the fraud detection and right. cut back on some of the bot activity that we're seeing. So I definitely saw a much more increased presence of those types of companies at this conference compared to in previous years, like you've mentioned, where right. it was very heavy supplier or even programming platforms. I didn't see very many of those represented there this year that I had right. in the past, but it's nice to see that that part of um, the industry representing itself there at the conference this yep. week. Shannon, do you care about data quality? No, not at all. <laughs> Just give me whatever you have. Joking, joking. Um, yeah, it's a it's an issue. Um, yeah. And you try to fight it on the front end. Yep. And then when we get the data, like I've been there with some of our PMs at Directions, and we're going through open ends, lines by line, yep. reading them, because some of them don't make any sense with the rest of the data. And right. we're just like this, you know. Yep. And it's a time-consuming, and it's taxing, yeah. and... Frustrating. Yes. <laughs> I can see it on your face. <laughs> yeah. We've so. all been there as researchers, so... I'm hopeful that and we're going to test some of these and see if we can improve our platform. Um, I think a lot of other companies are going to do the same. And so I'm not sure how this will kind of play out. Maybe we need 10 different options, right? Or maybe we need an industry-wide option that we all kind of share and group think it, right, and crowdsource it. I don't know how this is going to play out, but I'm excited at the options. I think competition is healthy. I think it keeps everyone on top of their game and it drives everyone to – think of more innovative and groundbreaking ways to make these changes. I mean, I, I one of the notes I wrote when we were at um, that particular session where we were talking about innovations in data quality was that there's so much conversation about the step of quality that happens prior to a live real human being actually even taking the survey, um, that a lot of our resources are being spent um, pre-data evaluation. So Mm -hmm. getting out all of the mess before it comes into the survey. And I would really like to be able to get to a point where when we're talking about data quality, we're actually looking at um, human responses that we know are truly validated people right. um, because we are spinning our wheels and kind of wasting a lot of effort just making sure that the, the data set that we have isn't just from a yep. bot farm. Right. Yep. Um, and, and one of the options that we th- that claims mm-hmm. to be able to fix this is our blockchain companies and they have a, they had a presence there. There were at least three maybe four or five blockchain companies in some form or fashion that were present. Yeah. A couple of them were on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Measure Protocol and Veriglyph were on stage, mm-hmm. um, which I I am a proponent of blockchain. 
Um, I don't really know what blockchain is, honest with you. Well, that was, that was my <laughs> first note again yeah. um, in that session. I really do enjoy hearing um, from those companies. I, whenever we have conversations with measure, measure protocol or Veriglyph, and I know that you also have some engagement with Boobdi. Yep. Um, I think that they're, it, it seems kind of like they're on the next level of intelligence. It yeah. seems incredible. But, uh, the start of that session, the moderator said to the room, a uh, show of hands of who can explain blockchain. And you, and I took, you know, a glance around and I saw see, zero. No one raised their hand. <laughs> yeah, zero. Um, right. And so 30 minutes later, after the presentation had concluded, <laughs> I think it would have been really helpful for the yeah. moderator to say, okay, now that we've just had this session, let's see a show of hands of people who understand blockchain. And my opinion is yeah. that there may have been one person that raised their hand after that session. Oh, wow. I don't know okay. that. I mean, I've sat through a couple of blockchain sessions and yeah. I think I have kind of an understanding of what it is, but I yeah. think for the most part, the people who really get it, they continue to get it. Um, and yeah. we need to bridge that gap of understanding somehow where I don't know if the right term is dumbing down the explanation of what it is. Yeah. Um, well, well, we should, we'll have people probably from Veriglyph and Measure Protocol on upcoming podcasts. But to me, the, the important things that blockchain, whatever it is, claims to fix mm -hmm. are things around um, validation of people, which that goes into the data quality. If we can, if we can at least get, oh, this is, be confident in, be confident that it's a real person taking a survey. Mm -hmm. That's a step, not, certainly not all the steps we need not just real people taking surveys, they need to be engaged in the survey and answering truthfully, right? But they claim to be able to fix the validation with some third-party methods of validating people. Right. And then a lot of the um, connecting APIs to other sources of data, which is something which I'm especially excited about. For example, um, I'm on an UBD app and I connect, I, if you listen to podcasts a lot, you know I do all kinds of ridiculous things. Yes, you I, do. I connected my bank account to it. Right. And so they have access to my banking information, which I'm somewhat comfortable doing that. Most people probably are not. But how, having said that, Ubdi now knows what my purchases are, right? So Ubdi could send me a survey and say, hey, you bought this um, new energy Coke, which I bought last week at CVS in Atlanta. And so maybe they can send me a survey because it's behavioral data right. that is, I'm not sure how validated it is. We could argue that probably, but that's another key is if maybe they know that I bought a cherry Coke energy drink and they know that I watch Netflix and they can know all of these things and that will help our clients maybe make better business decisions towards marketing and advertising spending. Um, maybe. That's that's my vision of it. Yeah, I think you're <clears throat> being such an insights guru and a thought leader there. I think you're driving your passion behind how that could help yes. um, revolutionize the way we target and how we are able to provide better data. You know, the targeting sample to those uh, the needs of those clients who are looking for those types of purchasers. I think that that aspect of blockchain is amazing and incredible. I think that flip side of it is that it is going to take a lot of buy-in from current sample suppliers to yes. adopt that technology. And yeah. um, I, I think maybe this is the closest we'll come to having um, what I've long 
thought would be um, vital to our industry of having like a universal respondent identifier. Yes. Um, but Preach I, on about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that concept it, and along with blockchain is something that sample suppliers may be resistant to yeah um yep. because now while yes i can link my financial transactions and my purchase behavior i can also link my survey taking behavior through blockchain so if i have participated in 15 yeah. surveys through panel a then blockchain may also identify that i've also taken 25 surveys through panel b yep. and me as a buyer um, and Jim, yeah. you can kind of speak to this too maybe you start to see that this response has taken 100 surveys today and you don't yep. want them to or maybe they were they were an attorney in survey a and they right. were a ceo in survey b and right. they were a student in survey c right maybe we can ideally get to that point right that would be great but i think that's going to uncover some things that are behind the curtains that not all yes. suppliers want us to see yes. and when those type of technologies present themselves in our industry i don't know that they take hold because that does require a lot of buy-in from bigger players yes shannon do you have, yeah. i feel like you have thoughts here blockchain sounds great ideally yep. in a future world yeah. i just i have to see it first there's that yeah. need to be a lot of collaboration and the willingness yeah. to be open from a lot of these companies it's a the supplier companies to work together and share some of that information. I know they don't want to share yep. to make this be as beneficial and as great as it can be. Yep. And right now I have doubts that they are willing enough yet yep. at this point to share all that information, to build this, to be as yep. beneficial as it could be. I completely so agree. that's where I kind of stopped. We're like, sounds nice. You can keep talking about it, but. You need I'm to not, see it to believe it. Yep. I need Prove action. It. Yep. Yeah. And Veriglyph is the t perfect test of that because they have made deals with various sample providers. They're they're more of a network. Mm -hmm. And I would I would say that Veriglyph would not call itself a blockchain company. They're more of a network of panel providers where the blockchain is one component of it. I think the verification part of it is blockchain. So yes, I completely agree with your point that these companies have to work together. And what if one company has, has invested $5 million and another company has invested $50,000. Are they going to share the same insights across? Right, right. Do they both get the same amount of benefits, right? And so I can't even imagine the negotiations that have gone on behind the scenes to kind of build this thing. But, you know, Veracliffe is live, and we'll start to see hopefully data from them this year. Hopefully we'll see white papers and data from Measure Protocol and UBDI on success stories. And I hope it's not like... Here's, here's a perspective I have, and maybe Shannon or Mary, you have the same perspective. Mobile research. The next big thing in yeah. research. <laughs> uh, I don't know, seven to eight years ago, yeah. maybe a little longer, M4 is an example, and mm -hmm. they didn't come out and collaborate. Maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, someone will probably email or text me or call me. But they really came out and said, we're so much better, we're better, we're better, and they were almost antagonistic. And um, they didn't really fit into the ecosystem very well. Now, they still exist. They're very successful. But I feel like we need more collaboration to the point that Dynata, like their statement, I hope other people kind of agree to that and share insights, good or bad, because we need to lift the industry. 
So. Um, just a reminder to join the conversation because I think that is <laughs> one of those places where we're going to get a voicemail or a text to 513-401-5463. That was Brian Lamar that gave that yeah. uh, Please feel free to give That's, us feedback or your commentary on your thoughts. Yeah, those are Brian Lamar's thoughts. Does not represent <laughs> anyone else on the show. EMI Research no, or Directions. No. I completely agree that there was a time when that was the next big thing and there was going to be this big push for collaboration and everyone was going to adopt these new technologies and that was the next big thing for the next four yeah. or five years and now you know the buzzword is blockchain so again i hope that we are all become better educated on it i hope that you know companies like yours and with directions if you start to um, request these types of technologies be implemented with our sample providers and um, we continue to educate suppliers and buyers on these types of technologies that we'll see yeah. the needle kind of move forward. And hopefully in an upcoming episode, we'll have some of the people that will easily explain blockchain. We'll all be right. experts by late February. Yes. That's my goal. They're very interesting to talk yeah. to. I can yeah, say that. No. Okay. Any it's other final thoughts that I missed in SampleCon? Overall, I really enjoy the experience. I, I like going to that conference. I think it's a really good opportunity to connect with the companies that we work so closely with and also um, a good uh, share, knowledge sharing opportunity. So yep. I think I get a lot out of it. Yeah. Um, Shannon, did you, do you feel like you got a lot out of it overall? Um, yeah, overall, it was good. It was a lot of learning. Um, I probably needed like a good refresher course just to kind of like shake some of the cobwebs <laughs> right. off and and start thinking about some of these things again. But it was good networking, met yeah. a lot of people, um, got my head thinking around some of our our issues and how we we as buyers can better set things up to have a successful fielding good. experience. So well, things I'm sitting sitting thinking churning on right now Good. as a member of the board for sample con that makes me very happy thank you <laughs> hopefully you'll be there next year in 2021 um i want to do a rant real quick oh brian's rants i've been doing a rant a while and you'll, if you want to join on a rant shannon you're always welcome to do a rant um and this rant is on lanyards oh. who saw a rant on lanyards coming dun, dun, dun. um so you know obviously every conference you go to you have a lanyard and for this conference, Branded Research provided the lanyards. And I don't know, I feel like if they sponsor the lanyard, you should wear the lanyard, right? They paid a lot of money for that. Mm -hmm. And since I'm on the board of SampleCon, I should probably say that their sponsorship money should be best utilized. However, there were some rogue lanyards in attendance at SampleCon, which made me angry. I called out people. There were multiple groups of people who were not wearing the conference lanyard. I'm not gonna call them out by name. But I saw black lanyards. I saw some sort of custom lanyard. I saw somebody wear their lanyard like a tie. I saw people with no lanyards. I think people should be wearing the lanyards and promoting the sponsors, which allow us to have a decent price, right? The, the reason for the sponsorship is not to make money. It's really to have a lower price for those of us to go to the conference. So wear your lanyard. And then I'm going to segue this into an idea I had before this rant. Uh -oh. I like uh -oh. this. Okay. There should be, and this, I'm talking to you, Green Book, I'm talking to you, Insights Association or Quarks or any maybe entrepreneur. There should be a lanyard that, and that, by the way, this is completely against my rant that I just did. Contrary to the last 45 <laughs> seconds. 
there should be one lanyard that you wear to every conference. And it is a nice lanyard. It starts off like a like a karate belt. Mm -hmm. The first time you go to a conference, you're like a white belt. Okay. And you earn a pin or a badge, kind of like you're a Girl Scout. So you're going to be a conference scout and yeah. just collect You're not pins. a Girl Scout. You're a conference scout. <laughs> and you get a badge or a pin. So if you went to SampleCon, it might be an Atlanta 2020 SampleCon pin or badge, okay. right? And then as you earn more pins or badges, you, you up it like a karate belt. You go to, I don't know if they are, green and Okay, fuchsia, I see where you're going with this. Black. So being that you're an eight-year vet at SampleCon, you'd yeah. be like a black belter. I would be a black belt at SampleCon. You know, Con. several conferences yeah. a year, and perhaps if you've been a speaker. Yeah. I really like the hierarchy a, system. upgraded type of pin for that conference. So what yeah. happens when your little belt gets full? Uh, well... For those people, I don't know what it is. Maybe you go to a hat or a sash, oh, <laughs> an apron. I don't yeah. know. But some people do a lot of conferences. I mean, some people do probably 15 a year. Right. And maybe, I don't know, I think it would be a good conversation point. Oh, my gosh, you were at SMR in um, Netherlands, right? The Pandora bracelet of conferences. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. I think there's money to be made here because if I'm a gold sash conference person and I've been to six SMRs and 14 quirks and – Six IAXs and all the sample cons, and I should, I deserve something. Okay. okay. A special badge for that. I, I like that idea. Producer um, Brian is shaking his head. Can, no. can you mock he's, a, up, he's in marketing. Can you mock up um, a concept for us here? Yeah, maybe then, we can put this in the show notes, yeah. a link to a concept. I think that maybe the next conference we attend, our swag that we put into the conference bag might need to be the branded for that conference. Yeah, maybe that in the swag bag is our own permanent lanyard. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe it's digital. And the pin for that conference. Right? Yeah. Maybe it has all the things you need that you're carrying around. I don't know. I'm just More theorizing. More flair. I like, I love it. Yeah. In extra flair. Yes. <laughs> okay. This sample con. That ends the sample con recap. Okay. We have one more topic. Typically we do uh, the four P's for the marketing mix. Um, we switch them up a little bit. Today we're doing one P because this one P might be the next 20 minutes of the episode. I am super excited about this topic. This P stands for Publix. 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 Producer Brian, how much time do we have? <laughs> do we have enough time to talk about this? And I'll try to I'll try to set this up. Okay. Okay. This story starts about six years ago when I met Mary Draper, and she told me this crazy story about her driving to Nashville. Mary, can you tell us this story? I can. So I. Cincinnati, Ohio is where our corporate office for EMI is located, and I am a Cincinnati native. I did move away for about 10 years, and I lived in Florida. I mentioned that I previously worked for a full-service research company that was based in Ormond Beach, Florida. And um, my grocery store of choice at that time was Publix. Um, I, I really just prefer that grocery store over others. So much so uh, that when I moved back to Cincinnati, Ohio, and I started to make my Thanksgiving meals, um, I felt like I was missing um, what I considered to be home at that time for the last 10 years was Florida. So uh, I went on Google and I searched where the closest Publix was because I wanted my Thanksgiving meal to be 
um, made from groceries from Publix. So um, being kind of a crazy person, I determined like four and a half hours isn't too bad to drive to go to the grocery store. (laughs) Four and a half hour grocery Uh, store trip. Yes. And so I make it an experience for my kids every year now, the week before Thanksgiving. I usually take that um, week office vacation time from work and I will uh, book a nice fancy hotel in Nashville and my kids and I drive down and to go to the grocery store. We well, we make it a holiday experience okay. because we are staying <laughs> at a very nice, as I mentioned, hotel. Um, you, shout out to the Gaylord Springs yeah. Yeah. Resort in Nashville. Now you've mentioned some of the grocery items that you get there. Can you summarize some, maybe some I important do, ones? I can. I think um, probably most important is that I buy my spices. So I like okay. my spice ca- cabinet to be stocked with. Um, Publix branded You spices. don't want a Rogue McCormick spice. No, I don't. Okay. I want to sprinkle <laughs> okay. Publix brand garlic salt on my um, items. I buy like maple syrup. It's Publix brand. Okay. My vegetables. So it, it does. Your vegetables. Yeah. I wanna, Publix carrots. They have better carrots. They do. Um, and so while okay. we are there at Publix, we also um, get our pub subs. So anyone okay. who's pub subs for life. Publix. Yeah. That's um, life. This is where the story gets interesting. Yeah. If anyone is familiar with Publix, they have superior sweet tea and they have a now, sub-making area that you can get subs. Now, I've known you for six years. Mm-hmm. Every Thanksgiving, me and probably other people mock you. Every year. Yes. I'm heavily mocked and teased <laughs> yes. that I am driving four hours with a cooler in my <laughs> trunk that is empty so that I can bring back gallons of sweet tea and groceries for Thanksgiving. Now, disclaimer, I don't buy my <laughs> Thanksgiving meats because I do right. know that that is um, <laughs> that they have to they have to thaw for a certain number of days and I don't have time frankly, oh, okay. to buy my turkey from Publix, but everything else that is for my meal. Okay. So um, I am very heavily scrutinized and yep. Ryan likes to bring this up in um, networking situations that Mary, <laughs> our crazy person in the office, drives to Publix. Oh, well, then here, this is where the story gets interesting. It is. I'm going to call on Shannon here in a second that Monday night, we were at the College Football Hall of Fame. Yes. yes. And Mary and Shannon, you all did not know each other five days ago. Tango never met. Cards sponsors yes. the day oh. for Sample oh. Card. They, uh, Mary and Shannon, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Tango Tango Cards, thank them. you. That was a lot of fun. An amazing, yeah. amazing event, networking event at the College yes. Football Hall of Fame where we could probably do 10 minutes on that alone, mm-hmm. where you get to participate in all kinds of activities. You get to sing a fight song. It was an awesome dinner. It was one of the best sponsorships I've ever been to. It was very unique. We're sitting there eating, which was, by the way, like tailgate kind of food, right? Kind it was of, yeah. Southern yeah. kind of food. Yeah. And we're sitting there eating and I'm sitting next to Mike and Shannon and you're across the table speaking with other people, not really involved in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's brought up, but I think it was, hey, Mary, when are we going to Publix? Right. right? So when I knew I was going to Atlanta, I knew I was going to be in the South. I said, oh my gosh, here's a perfect opportunity. Yeah. I can go to Publix while I'm there. And yep. I asked Brian to join me. And so it was Monday night and I was looking at the schedule thinking, I'm not sure if I'm yeah, going to be able do to this? schedule this in. And, and, and then so, um, a miracle happened. A miracle happened because I'm sitting next to Shannon, who I had never met before about <laughs> Uh, so Shannon, 15 tell- minutes prior to that experience. Right. So what happened, Shannon? What's your story with Publix? Um, I grew up in Cincinnati, but yep. I, I claim myself to be a Southerner. My family okay. is Southern. My parents, um, my dad grew up in Auburn. Okay. My mom grew up in Oklahoma. Yes, War Eagle all day. <laughs> um, so 
I've I've been loving Publix when I have access to it for a long time. They are deli, their sweet tea, the bakery is superior. The carrots. I don't know if I've had the carrots in general. Okay, okay, so. I don't know in particular if I have had the carrots. I but can't. it's a similar store to Mary's, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I just like whenever I go down to visit family. Yeah. Um, I'll take a cooler and that'll be our last stop before we head home. Like I have coolers and I'll get my sweet tea. I'll get some pup subs and like some other, other things, some snacks for the road. And then okay. we headed on back up to Cincinnati. So, so, so Mary's not yes. the only crazy person. Yes. Right? And we discovered this sitting at a table at sample con. It was my Eureka moment. And, yeah. and, and also I kind of like it in your face to Brian. So we were, yeah, we were definitely sitting there at dinner and we were trying to explain how great Publix is and how it will change your life. Well, from a marketing standpoint where you just talked about customer experience, right? User right. experience Absolutely. and brand loyalty. This is all things we deal with. And you two are the, certainly the epitome <laughs> Of brain loyalty. Oh, I could experience. be on a commercial. <laughs> I make it a point when I'm there at Publix yes. every year to tell them, like, oh, I drove all the way from Cincinnati, Ohio to come here. So and, um, to at get this, this point, at this point, we are going to go to Publix, right? Yeah. Well, right, right. So we, had made, we, we, we were, were at dinner we were and decided, we discovered. But then it was a little late after dinner. And, you yeah. know, the deli does not stay open all right. night. And we needed the freshest tenders. We wanted, the, we wanted the best possible experience to get a sub. We didn't want to get no 10.30 p.m. sub. No, no. Well, so here, here's actually how things happen. So Sh- Shannon and I discovered that we are newly best friends because we have this public <laughs> connection. Yes. Um, and so um, our colleagues, Brian and Mike, are uh, looking at us as if we had potentially lost our minds. Right. Correct. And so we have decided we are going to make a mission to Publix together so that we can explain to them why we have this passion right. for shopping. They had um, to experience it at because the store where they were believing. Yes. Yep. <laughs> That's their tagline. And so we were determined to do it. And this was with a very tight schedule. We all had dinners planned, the conference meetings sessions, meetings. Right. There were lots of other sponsorship events. And so we determined that the only way to pull this off was at the very end of the conference. If we rushed to the closest Publix on the way to the airport, the right. airport we could pull this off. Right. And luckily this was at lunchtime. I found a brand new Publix sort of on the way to the airport. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Fortunately, we made it work, right? So this we is did. where the story we gets lo- really interesting. We, we loaded our suitcases into the Uber yep. um, and, and made it public. So. Yeah. But what, so the first funny part of the story for me is that we get in the Uber and I'm like, I'm nervous because we have I have four days of luggage. We've all been at a conference. We all have a, you know, a decent amount of luggage. And I'm like, what are we going to do? We're going to a grocery store. I couldn't imagine going to Kroger and saying, hold my luggage. Like, am I going to wait outside with the luggage? And Shannon, what did you say? I said, don't worry about it. They'll hold it for us. Yeah. You said, I'm going to tell them that I'm Shannon. I'm from Ohio. Can you please hold my luggage? And that's exactly what she did. And we have some of this on the podcast. We recorded a little bit there. I think we'll play some of the the audio from the public experience. I didn't get enough, but um, I think it's decent enough quality. Yeah. So we, we walked into Publix and said, can you hold on this luggage? And they're like, yep, sure, absolutely, no problem. And they just put it behind the yeah, little customer. She said, take your time, enjoy <laughs> yourself. Yep, she yes, did. She did. So yes, she did. So immediately upon, and oh, by the way, we took pictures outside. <laughs> we, when we, we walked in, may have, and this is coming from a public skeptic, 
I'm a skeptic. Yes. I walked in. What was the smell? It smelled like, like peaches. peaches. <laughs> Just like peaches. Is yes. that how they typically smell? No, no, they don't. I think that was specific to the Atlanta, Georgia version okay. of Publix. So it had a unique smell of just peaches, like a very distinct peach aroma when you enter the store. Yes. That was fantastic. Okay, so then you led us around for a little bit, right? Uh, yes. So um, the mission was to have lunch. We were going to get pub subs. And um, so we went over, we, we took a pit stop in the bakery yep. section. And of course. we got um, cakes and pies, <laughs> <laughs> cookies, an assortment of yep. treats, and then made our way over to um, the sub area yes, where, um, now, now you did mention that you thought that the making of the subs was a little bit slow. Yeah, I said to Shanna, I said, uh, it took like 15 minutes to make my sub, and what did you say? We're in the South. We're in the South. That's right. That's right. Chill a little out slower a little there. Bit. Yeah. Just, just calm down. This isn't New York City. Right. Our deli sub making experts were polite and courteous. They even yes. um, addressed some of the other customers by name. I think it yeah. was like, "Oh, hi, yeah. Marcus. Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who was behind <laughs> us, and we kind of all shared that experience. So, yeah. um, my favorite sandwich to get there. So they do have like warhead subs. Yeah. Um, but I like to get the chicken tender sub. Right. So Brian, do you want to tell us about your chicken tender sub experience? Yeah. So. I will say the service, every every person that I encountered in the entire store, which was a lot, mm -hmm. was very nice and friendly. Like they were happy to be at work that day. It made me, I mean, I, I had the bar set very, very high in terms of my expectations because of you two talking nonstop mm -hmm. about it for three. I didn't think Mike did as well. But everybody was so nice and friendly. I feel like they would have done anything for me. So, yes, I got a chicken tender sub. Is that what it's called? Yes. Okay. And I wanted it made just like you mm -hmm. because I, we know that we share the exact same taste in food. And so I sit down and get this chicken tender sub. It looks beautiful. I took my first bite and it was absolutely without a doubt, one of the best sandwiches I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a high expectation. I'm like, I'm just getting a deli sub at a grocery store. Right. It was amazing. Like you saw that they took care in the chopping up the chicken tenders and it was an amazing. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think Mike um, also even, he yeah, brought he a peach pie. Mike ate half of a peach pie. <laughs> he said it was the best pie he, he had ever had. Yes. Yeah, so the two skeptics were like, we're, we're kind of on board now. We won you over. We're on yeah. Team Publix a little bit. Um, so it was a great experience. But here's my questions for you. Is this because this is the South? We didn't really test this out. I'm a researcher. Mike brought this up as well. We did say we need to A-B test this. Yeah, we got to A-B yeah. test this. We don't, we don't really have a, a control variable here. We, we don't know if the Kroger... Which, by the way, Kroger's a local company that's very popular here. We it probably is. shouldn't disparage them. But um, would, if we had gone to Kroger, would it have been the same experience? So uh, we'll never know. Yeah, I think we have to test the theory. Yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. So maybe we take this on the road, guys. My guess is probably not. Oh, or was it because it's just the South in general? Like, if you went to any grocery store in the Atlanta area, people in the South have a reputation of being much nicer. Like, if you, could you go to any business in, in Atlanta and get that level of service? I, I would not support that theory. I think <laughs> that um, where I lived in Florida, there were two competitive grocery store chains um, that actually had better prices and mm -hmm. um, maybe more employees and you can get in and out of there faster and buy your food cheaper. But I just particularly um, 
prefer the experience that I have at Publix. I think that yeah. it's welcoming and they're friendly and I, I appreciate the environment. I'm willing to pay Agreed. a little bit more <laughs> for the service that I get there. Yeah. Um, and even if that means I have to drive a little bit further out of my way, um, even if that means I have little. to drive four and a half hours <laughs> out of my way, but it, it, it completes the experience for me. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I really love to cook and I love to share meals with my family. So that's a really important part of my um, work-life balance, my well, home life. Right. I'm excited for this Thanksgiving when Shannon hands you a cooler a couple days before your trip and gives you a Absolutely. shopping list. Or um, maybe he just goes along. Who knows what's going to Who knows? I'll probably head down Tag south off. like in May, okay. May or June. So I'll, I'll shoot you an email. Let, <laughs> let me know what you need. And I'll, I'll give I'll you just... my cell phone number. You can just text me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It's so, good to have friends because sometimes all you need in life is like a public sweet tea or truth. lemonade, and that'll make your whole day that's brighter. But I think that that kind of, I think our passion for this speaks across just, you know, it's yes. past just grocery store service. I think just anywhere that you're looking for service in any industry, I think it you're translates right. to like good service. Um, the business that we're yep. in too. Can we bring this to online sampling? We can. What's the, the Publix of online sampling? That's what we should all strive to be, right? Right. Okay. One other thing I didn't mention was that, so we sat in the little um, deli area, had a nice lunch, just raved about it. Mm -hmm. um, and then you said, as we were walking out the door, well, you got to experience the aisles. <laughs> right. Like I thought we had the experience, but there's more that we didn't even get to experience. You have to experience the aisles. Well, to they, me, they set it up so the flow is very logical when you're seamless. shopping. Yeah. Like yeah. it makes sense. Um, some not, I'll say some of the grocery stores here are a little smaller and they yeah. just keep cramming more stuff or more aisles in where it's yeah. a little hard to find things or understand like, why is this not over here? But mm -hmm. public, it. it just flows nicely. It does flow from where you first get in there and you get your produce and your meats and then the things that are placed in the aisles on the shelves. It just right. makes sense. You're not going back and forth to get your your grocery shopping done well it, it seems strange to maybe the average to the lay grocery shopper but not not uh, to you two obviously and now not to mike or i either <laughs> thank you the next time thank i am you. in the south i will go to a Publix. i will definitely order that chicken tender the sub. Sub. yeah that was an amazing thing so I won't bring it up in the office anymore. I'll say I will take a Publix conversation break, but I do think that I should no longer be so heavily criticized and judged. No, I agree. Leave Mary alone. Thank you. I think Hashtag leave Mary alone. Service is well. really important to me, and whether it's me delivering the service or receiving it. So that's. Oh, I'm Team Publix. I'm Team Mary. I'm Team Shannon. Right. So Great. I will not be critical ever again. Team Pubs. Thank you all for coming in and sharing the um, views of SampleCon and the views of Publix. Publix should be sponsoring this episode, by the way, because that was no should. better commercial. We're gonna, we should tag them in the notes. Um, but yeah, thank you all for coming in. Um, and after this, we will play a couple short clips from um, Publix and maybe a couple <laughs> of interviews. Are we doing the interviews on this one too? No. Okay. That's a different episode. We interviewed people while we're down at SampleCon. That will be a future episode. This one's gone a long time for the two topics. So again, you can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. 
EMI underscore research on Twitter and Telecast One on Twitter. Um, you can go to directionsresearch.com if you want to learn more about them. Yes. Um, Check us out, please. Yeah, they've been around since 1988. There have been a rock of marketing research in the community for a very long time. They're employee-owned. I have a lot of friends that work there. It's just a great company. So, Shannon, thank you so much for joining and coming into our office, into our studio. To it's do a this. pleasure. Yeah, thank you. And thanks to Mary, a two-timer. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. All right. Thanks, everybody. So we can store our luggage behind here. We are, I'm from Cincinnati and I love Publix, not from the South, but we want to stop and get some subs and stuff before we got on the plane. Yeah, honestly. How, <laughs> How do you feel about well, that? <laughs> Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. It's a podcast. Okay. To summarize, we just entered Publix and Shannon talked to customer service and they are going to hold our luggage, a lot of luggage, while we shop at a grocery store. Mary is now knew where the bags were. Of course, they're right by the door. Okay. You gotta see if they got the t-shirts. Oh, you want a t-shirt? Okay. Look at the, um, the, the public sub eating area. It's far superior than the Kroger break room. Okay. So far, it's, it's, it's been a pleasant experience. We walked into the smell of peaches. Is this the cake? There is cake. This is really good, though. Yeah, that is yeah. good. They've really got good. What do, you, what do you two think of this? Peach pie, cherry pie. Well, I'm really happy at the small yeah. pie selection. Okay. Right, right this. This, there's a lot of dessert options, is what I'm we're, taking away from this. We are in the bakery where they bake stuff. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I was unsure. Mary, what do you get here? Um, <laughs> I think it depends on the mood that I'm in. I do like the chicken tender sub um, or a traditional like turkey and roast beef sub. Do you like tannin? The chicken tender cell. Oh, then that looks like that's what I'm getting. Okay. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.